0: By Star Bridget Part 2 of the Mirror of Isidore series Chapter 9 The Gryffindor Elf Draco woke to the sound of slamming. A head was banging against the metal table beside his bed, and making his own head start to throb sympathetically with it. What is it? Draco groaned, rubbing at his eyes. What's that noise? and looked down at his hands to find them his usual pale childish ones, all bones included. Hello? And then he looked down, and saw the wrinkled skin of a house-elf's head. Hey, hey, whatever you're punishing yourself for, could you maybe do it somewhere the sick children aren't recuperating? The great glass marble eyes looked up and met his with what looked like tears ready to fall from those orbs.
1: Draco Malfoy is hurt worse than before, and it is Dobby's fault. Dobby? Draco cried out,
0: covering his mouth when he heard how loud his childish voice had shrieked and broken. He half slid, half fell out of bed to slump on the floor beside Dobby. There it was a face now unmistakable as any human one, though Draco had used to genuinely think all house elves looked exactly the same. Dobby, Draco breathed, and fought the urge to wrap his arms around him. Dobby, stop punishing yourself.
1: Dobby is a bad elf,
0: Dobby said fiercely, slamming his head once more.
1: Dobby tried to help and made it worse. Draco Malfoy was screaming and crying and Dobby could not stop it. Dobby, what are you talking about? Stop it! Draco managed
0: to edge himself between Dobby and the metal end of the nightstand table to block him. It doesn't hurt anymore. It was supposed to take all night, but he looked at the hospital wing clock and smiled. It's only just past midnight, Dobby, and it doesn't hurt at all. I'm just kind of sleepy. Did I pass out?
1: Draco Malfoy was suffering so much,
0: Dobby said anxiously.
1: And Dobby could not watch Draco Malfoy suffer like he did with Lucius Malfoy again.
0: Humiliatingly, Draco felt tears come to his eyes. How? House elves don't have healing magic, do you? Draco remembered some faceless house elf back when he had only been four or five tearfully pleading his inability to help when Draco fell and skinned his knee, although Draco's infantile fury had certainly made the elf go off and punish himself for it.
1: No, Dobby
0: said sadly,
1: or Dobby would be more help, but Draco Malfoy had to wait so long for the potion to work, so Dobby was using Dobby's magic to speed it.
0: The thought that the house elves could do something like that, Would have been terrifying from a different one.
1: But it put Draco Malfoy into such great agony. Dobby did not know what to do.
0: It was all the pain at once, I think, Draco sighed. But I'm glad I got it over with. I couldn't have lasted much longer. I'm glad I passed out from it. Thank you, Dobby. You saved me again. So, you don't have to punish yourself.
1: Dobby was thinking Draco Malfoy would be angry at Dobby,
0: Dobby said timidly, seeming to give up on his head-banging attempts.
1: Because Dobby was not coming to Hogwarts like Draco Malfoy wanted.
0: Draco shook his head. If it had been Voldemort to take him out of that bone-healing nightmare, he was pretty sure he would have lost any anger towards the man.
1: And Dobby tried, but the households at Hogwarts said there was too many elves here already, and no. For Dobby, and that the headmaster said Dobby must search elsewhere for work before Hogwarts can take Dobby. And Dobby is looking for a new home that will pay Dobby because Dobby is a free elf
0: now. Dobby's ears seemed to perk up, the pride audible in his voice before his eyes went sad again.
1: And Dobby was going all over Britain and even America, but Dobby did not find any wizard who will pay Dobby.
0: Draco could have told him, and Hogwarts that.
1: Dobby was not wanting to worry Draco Malfoy, and Dobby was thinking Draco Malfoy was doing fine, and was safe at Hogwarts. But then Dobby heard that there is a secret chamber of secrets open, so Dobby must come and protect Draco Malfoy and Harry Potter. At the
0: end of this long speech, Draco could feel tears slipping down his face though he wasn't sure how much were just the aftershock of the lightning strike of pain it had taken to end the regrowth. He had just been so drained, to the point of being completely empty. But finally, something was actually going right. Are you working at Hogwarts now, Dobby? Dobby looked sadder.
1: No, Draco Malfoy. Dobby was asking again and they said no, and Dobby should not have stayed, but... Dobby is watching over Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy could know what it meant. Draco Malfoy is a pure-blood wizard, but took a beating on himself to protect Dobby. He is just like Harry Potter. Dobby remembers how it was when he who must not be named was at the height of his powers. We elves were treated like vermin. But after Harry Potter triumphed over he who must not be named, the Dark Lord's power was broken, and it was a new dawn. And Harry Potter shone like a beacon of hope for those of us who thought the dark days would never end. And now you and he have come to Hogwarts together, and you are Dobby's hope. And at Hogwarts, terrible things are happening already, and Dobby does not want Draco Malfoy and Harry Potter to stay here, where it is so dangerous and where Dobby cannot stay.
0: Why wouldn't they take you at Hogwarts? Draco interrupted, wiping his face and leaning against the table to sit up though it would have provided better support without the indentation of Dobby's head in it. Did they speak to the headmaster? Is there still no room in the kitchens? Dobby fidgeted with the buttons on the shirt he wore, long enough to almost cover his feet, the shirt Father had thrown to free him. Draco's white button-down sullied after Father's beating, and now shone a gleaming clean white all
1: over the headmaster. Master said Dobby cannot stay because Dobby knows Draco Malfoy.'
0: "'The next moment, footsteps sounded in the hospital wing, "'and Dobby pushed a finger to his own mouth "'before turning to present it like a warning to Draco. "'Draco put a finger to his own mouth in acknowledgement "'before peering his head around the bed and table "'to look towards the front of the wing. "'Dumbledore was backing into the dormitory, "'wearing a long woolly dressing gown and a nightcap. He was carrying one end of what looked like a statue, but which Draco recognised all too well. McGonagall appeared a second later, carrying the feet. Together they heaved the boy onto a bed, before Dumbledore whispered something to McGonagall, and she went off, coming back with Madame Pomfrey, who was pulling a cardigan on over her nightdress. Her hands seemed to falter, as she saw the statue of a boy that awaited her a gasp coming out of her normally unflappable face that sounded eerie in the night. What happened? Madame Pomfrey whispered to Dumbledore, bending over the boy on the bed whose name Draco still couldn't remember for the life of him. Another attack, said Dumbledore. A student found him just outside the steps to the Owlery. By all appearances... He was sending a late-night letter to his parents, describing the Quidditch game. Perhaps he stopped to take a photograph of the tower for them as well. He showed Madame Pomfrey an unsent letter, and she exhaled hard. Draco looked over at the petrified boy in the moonlight, and the name still wouldn't come to him. Something with a C, maybe, or an F. Some preposterous name. But it was the boy he remembered as the first, who he had snapped at on the pitch today with his camera still lodged in his outstretched, frozen hands. Petrified, whispered Madame Pomfrey. Yes, said Professor McGonagall. But if Katie Bell hadn't been going to write her parents about the game as well, and if Albus hadn't been on the way downstairs for hot chocolate, who knows what might have? McGonagall thought the boy might have gotten a picture of his attacker, which would have been lovely to clear Draco from suspicion, but he seemed to have been no more successful than the first time. A steam and the smell of burnt plastic filled the air, and Dumbledore solemnly intoned, It means that the Chamber of Secrets is indeed open again. Yeah, you think? Draco could almost have started laughing at how little his efforts with the diary had changed anything, if Dobby hadn't been there, with a finger still to his lips. McGonagall asked, But Aldous? Surely who? The question is not who. Draco heard Dumbledore say, The question is how. And then, Dumbledore's gaze seemed to fall on Draco's empty bed. Mr Malfoy, Dumbledore said mildly, would you care to join us? When Draco stepped out reluctantly from behind the bed, both women looked stunned at the sight of him, standing in his pyjamas, bones fully regenerated. That potion should have taken, Madame Pomfrey began, and the most Gryffindor house elf in history had to have his say.
1: Draco Malfoy was not doing anything wrong,
0: Dobby protested.
1: Dobby helped heal him faster. Dobby woke him, told him to be silent when headmaster Dumbledore was coming.
0: When Dobby's gaze travelled up towards the prone form of the petrified Muggleborn, Draco watched his face go somewhat less confident, but no less resolute against the three professors if they meant to harm or criticise Draco. Again, the two women looked more astonished than Dumbledore. Dobby, Dumbledore said mildly, What a pleasant surprise to meet again so soon. Is this the young Malfoy's wholesale from the manor? McGonagall asked, sounding appalled to see him there, as if Draco had been living at this school to date with a personal servant. In a manner of speaking, Dumbledore said calmly, Dobby once served at Malfoy Manor. He was freed, as his clothing shows. He has been seeking paid employment at Hogwarts since. Poppy, Minerva, I believe there is no more we can do for young Mister Creevy tonight. Colin Creevy, that was it. If you will allow me, I will speak to Mister Malfoy and his persistent. The thought of McGonagall leaving made Draco's blood go cold. He had some wary respect for McGonagall, especially after she had made that time-travel diagram for him in first year. And Dumbledore's presence never ceased to put part of his mind back at the Astronomy Tower that one awful night. The more attention Dumbledore turned on Draco, the worse it got. McGonagall was eyeing Draco as if he had done something unspeakably bizarre. You do not dispute, headmaster calling this house elf your friend? Draco shrugged, though he knew he might be implicating Dobby in awful things by being honest. Why not? It's not like I have any other friends left. Dumbledore's mouth creased. Severus has spoken of your penchant for the dramatic. Good night. McGonagall and Pomfrey left the three of them alone there in the hospital wing with the petrified body. Draco glanced down at Dobby, only to see the elf look massively moved by Draco implicitly calling him his friend. But Dobby seemed to compose himself and hold back any sign of hysterics once Dumbledore's gaze had fallen squarely upon them. Do you think I'm the heir of Slytherin? Draco demanded. Marcus Flint always liked to say the best defence was a good attack, by which he meant a strong attack of bludgers to the groin, but it went through Draco's head anyway. Pardon? Dumbledore asked and peered at Draco through his spectacles, looking like the most harmless batty old man in the world. I commend you on your rapid recovery of spirits after so crushing an accident. Draco tried to keep the loathing out of his eyes, but damn it all, if there was anyone who should have been able to figure out draco wasn't what potter thought it should have been drake it should have been dumbledore who'd been talking like he already knew who had opened the chamber of secrets not a question of who but how unless that who they both knew was draco in their minds thanks to the stunt draco had pulled with the diary along with so many others i know i've got a reputation at hogwarts Draco said finally, and heard Ron in his head say, "'That's the trouble with cursing people. "'It makes people think you might, you know, curse people.' "'I know people think I'm some kind of precocious dark wizard hitman, "'because that's what I've tried to get people to think. "'So they'll leave me alone. "'So I shouldn't be surprised to be suspected now. "'But Dobby is just tainted by association.' doesn't follow my orders or anyone else's—not any more. If he helps me, it's because it's his choice. He's free, and he really doesn't have anywhere else to go. What strange sights life can place before us sometimes, Dumbledore mused, seeming off in a different world. The last living lawful heir of the ancient houses of Malfoy and Black. Leading for the rights of a free house elf. It is a wonderful thing how after so many years on this planet, we can still be so very surprised. It's not a trick, Draco muttered, and looked down at Dobby, whose head had been snapping between Dumbledore and Draco, watching them like a sports game. It's just not fair, Draco. Dumbledore said gently, I did not deny Dobby a place here, because you are some kind of dangerous person, but because you seem unhappy, very unhappy. Any words dried up in Draco's throat? I have observed, and your head of house would concur, that you have had Difficulties with the other children at Hogwarts. You spend far too many meals hidden away amongst the house elves, sticking to their company in the kitchen instead. Withdrawing yourself so often from the rest of your year is not healthy, Draco. And the introduction of yet another house elf, this one familiar to you besides give a further excuse to spend your time in the company of elves instead of human children. That could not be to your benefit. I feel for Dobby that I must look after the welfare of students as well, and having him here would not be good for you. So what if I prefer ourselves to humans? Draco blurted hands clenching to fists at his sides. Humans are awful, I should know. I am a human and I'm awful. Draco Malfoy's not awful, Dobby interrupted, marble eyes blazing.
1: Dobby will not hear Draco Malfoy spoken ill of, even by himself.
0: Draco put his head in his hands, feeling like the worst idiot in the world for blowing up at Dumbledore when he had been so off-base in his suspicions. I understand why you wouldn't want to hire him then, headmaster, but I... Draco bit his lip. It was more of a sacrifice than he might have expected to grudgingly force out. I'll start eating all my meals in the great hall again, and I'll make more of an effort with the other second years, I promise. I don't know where else Dobby could go, and it's my fault he was freed. Merlin, did he hope, Dumbledore wouldn't ask for that story. Very well, Draco, Dumbledore said after a pause. With those caveats, and be sure your head of house will hold you to them, Dobby may take up paid employment at Hogwarts. Draco's grin wouldn't leave his face until he fell asleep, even with the petrified face of the other boy staring right at him. That smile didn't last long once he was back amongst the children of Hogwarts, who talked of nothing but the attack on this person apparently called Creevy. Given how Draco had been seen snapping at Creevy while he took pictures over his injured body, the pitch of suspicion against Draco seemed to have increased. Nor did it help that Draco had not been in his second-year dorm, but alone in the hospital wing, since it wasn't like Draco could have Dobby march out to tell them he'd been in attendance. It was bad timing for him to have to reappear at meals, but at least that gave him the appearance of less to hide. Though you wouldn't know it, by the way Potter stared meal after meal, day after day, like he expected at any moment Draco would start summoning monsters and petrifying the Hufflepuffs. The weeks that followed would have been very lonely if Dobby hadn't arrived at Hogwarts when he had. Draco's old self in the blue loop would have been horrified to see him spending nights in a cold corridor in the Slytherin labyrinth, charmed, bright and warm, trying to teach a house elf to play wizard's chess. But efforts to be friendlier with his Slytherin yearmates were accomplished on little more than a surface level. He was sure to be seen with them in public, especially at meals, but nothing else came of it. Dobby always seemed happy to see him, not missing their match every weeknight while Draco went flying on weekends, but his presence only seemed to put a damper on other Slytherin second years. The brief spirit of cohesion animating them when they carried Draco from the Quidditch pitch had gone up in smoke, leaving even Pansy cold as ice to him behind closed doors, all for one distinct reason. He wouldn't tell them. he was the heir of Slytherin. Oh, he was reaping what he had sowed, with all those jokes about family trolls and practising blood magic behind the curtains of his bed. He was reaping it in spades, as the years around him treated him with only a slightly different sort of awed respect than before, and his Quidditch teammates tempered their blame for the Gryffindor loss with just augmented distantness. But Draco's yearmates he'd grown up playing with, took lack of disclosure as a personal slight. He disappointed them immeasurably when they had been ready to welcome him back into the fold. All the mudblood coddling could have been forgiven, with Draco never seen with the Gryffindors any more, and the sight of him making half the other house's students cross to the other side of a corridor. Blaze couldn't get enough of it when it happened with them walking together. That's right, he would call out jovially. All part for the Heir of Slytherin, which really, really wasn't helping. When Draco pulled him aside after the fifth or sixth time and told him to stop, Blaze just looked confused. If you didn't want people to know the Heir of Slytherin had returned, Blaze asked slowly, Why did you write it up on that wall? Blaze, how many times do I have to tell you? I'm not the heir of Slytherin. Well, if that's how you're going to play it, Blaze said sulkily, slinking away, and was civil but short with Draco after that. Nor did he make an effort to walk with Draco to classes any more. Pansy made him a present in the first week after Creevy's petrification, an impressive silver snake pen with emerald green eyes which she claimed to have transfigured instead of bought. What is this? Draco asked, turning it over in his hand. Some kind of protective talisman? The trade for amulets and such had gone hilariously through the roof at Hogwarts. You transfigured this yourself? It was a welcome surprise that they might have a rare skill in common. It looked like she could just teach him some things about the carving silver, if only she could leave off on all them. It's a cloak pin, Pansy said, for you to wear to show all the peasants that you are the heir of Slytherin, and they need to show the proper respect. She mistook him, nearly choking on his pumpkin juice, as being insulted. Oh, I'm sorry, Draco. I know the heir properly deserves a crown, but they wouldn't let you wear a crown to class, so... Pansy, Draco hissed, I'm not the heir of Slytherin. I can't wear this, if that's what this is for. I don't want people to keep thinking it's me.
1: Fine,
0: Pansy hissed. Just keep it. Do whatever you want with it. Sell it. I don't care. Pansy spent the next few weeks pointedly ignoring him and flirting with third when he was nearby, as if no one had ever told her he was gay. Vince and Greg started attempting to give him some of their food during meals, which Draco at first took as some bizarre but sweet sign they'd missed him. Food was such a valuable currency with them, it seemed a way of showing affection. It was kind, if misguided, given how many times a distracted Draco failed to finish his own plate. But after Draco had refused them one too many times, Greg leaned forward worriedly one dinner and whispered, but won't the monster be getting hungry, Draco? For a few seconds, Draco's grasp of reality just stopped functioning. Greg? Draco said slowly. What did you just say? "You should take our extra food, Draco. Vince said eagerly. We want to help. And pushed a roll at Draco. You shouldn't have to take the burden of saving food for it all on your own. Vince? Draco breathed. Greg? Have you been slipped any strange potions recently? Vince and Greg leaned in conspiratorially, the picture of the adoring, obedient sycophants they had always been for him a life ago. Don't act like we're crazy, Draco, Vince said with a grin. Don't worry, we're on your side. We could help you feed the monster, Greg added. It will be so cool if you let us meet the monster, Vince whined. I mean, if it's safe... Please let us meet the monster, Greg whined, and Draco slammed a fist on the table. I am not the heir of Slytherin, he growled, resisting the temptation to throw Vince's roll back at him. So you might as well eat. And Vince and Greg did. With an air so wounded, it could only have been worn by two boys who had spent the first decade of their lives sucking up to Draco, only to somehow still be cruelly denied the right to visit his ancient student-petrifying monster. Millie had always been the most sensible of her lot, so Draco had been annoyed to see her trying to keep her beloved cat, Mr Wilberforce, out of his general radius. Eventually he managed to pull her aside on the way to dinner, Two weeks after Creevy was petrified, and get in her ear, Millicent, I am not trying to kill your cat, all right. I'm not the heir of Slytherin. Millie just looked at him, saying nothing, and was neither more or less friendly towards him than she had been before. But, nor did she stop stepping in front of Mr Wilberforth, or hurriedly shooing him along whenever she caught a glimpse of Draco's bright blonde hair in the vicinity. And then there was Theo. Theo, who Draco had always flattered himself, had a soft spot for him. Even in the red line, though Draco was a different enough person, that it was hardly objectively likely. It would have been preferable if Draco could somehow transfer his affections and complete one of this year's top goals of lessening his obsession with Porter by getting himself sweet on Theo. He'd used to think he was, in the summer after father went to Azkaban, but just the thought of Potter made everyone around him seem dull, let alone calm, studious, unobtrusive Theo, who was always actively trying to blend into the background. Joko didn't fancy Theo any more, try as he might to talk himself into it, but that didn't make it sting any less even Theo didn't believe he wasn't the heir of Slytherin. Theo? Draco asked in desperation, one heinously boring day at the library, coming up to the second dear table and pulling Theo into the potion stacks. Theo, I'm getting nowhere in my research on the Chamber of Secrets, and you've always been better at studying. That was undebatably untrue in the red line. But Draco didn't give him the time to dwell on it. Do you think you could try to help me learn about it? Or at least point me in the right direction? The Hogwarts Library was short on useful titles, which he suspected was because Hermione's research had co opted them first. Theo blinked at him in incomprehension, big, big blue eyes un- adorably uncertain. Why would you need to research the Chamber of Secrets when you're the heir of Slytherin? Theo, yeah, for Salazar's sake! Draco groaned, only to hear a startled noise from the corner of the stacks, which Draco was too on edge all the time these days to let go. He gave it an even chance of being Potter, who always seemed to be hovering in his vicinity these days, and unfortunately it was. Draco flushed violently at how incriminating this must all seem to Potter, depending on what he'd heard. Draco stood close and whispered to a fellow Slytherin in the library, with the other Slytherin insisting Draco was the heir. "'Come to pick up some books for Granger, Potter?' Draco snorted. "'If you're looking for something on the Chamber of Secrets, don't bother.' I've already checked this whole section twice. Not that she hasn't hoarded everything not in the restricted section already. Potter muttered something incomprehensible and left, with Theo turning to Draco looking apologetic. Sorry, Draco, but I don't think he heard. Piss off, Theo! Draco snarled, shoving him backwards against the transfiguration stacks. Several books on becoming an animagus fell out over him. Draco kicked at one in mindless spite before stalking away. Needless to say, Theo was intelligent enough to keep his distance too after that. The one thing Draco did get out of that unpleasant little interlude was a visit from Hermione, who cornered him after potions the next day with a hiss of, ''Why did you tell Harry? I'm hoarding all the books on the Chamber of Secrets.'' Draco gave her a few long, exaggerated blinks. ''Oh, I don't know Hermione.'' Maybe it's because you're hoarding all the books on the Chamber of Secrets. Do you know, Hermione said fondly, I used to think you acted so mature for your age. Sorry if it's frustrating not to have anything to work off of, Draco sighed, trying to keep his voice from coming out too whiny to clear my name, because I am, you know, not the heir. Not that anyone believes it. I believe it, Frankenstein, Hermione said, with a steadiness of gaze that made him uncomfortable, and then held up her bracelet. I started wondering which goddess you'll carve me for Christmas. And what do I get, another Arsenal hoodie? Draco spat. Except, no, your father withdrew that invitation after he saw what my father was like, didn't he? Hermione's cheeks took on two twin spots of red. What? What? No, Draco, that's not. If you must know, the tickets for the first home game proved too expensive for my family to afford. I told him I'd pay for myself, Draco muttered. "'For you all, too, if you like. "'It's not like I don't have more than enough money.'
1: "'You mean
0: your father does?' "'And that doesn't count, does it?' "'I'm sorry you were looking forward to going to a match that much. "'she said, looking at him strangely. "'You never said, Draco. "'You made it sound like an afterthought. "'And just because we didn't relish the idea of taking your father's money "'doesn't mean we think any differently of you.' says the girl who's barely spent time with me for a month. Draco laughed harshly, only to roll his eyes and flick at the St. Bridget's cross on his wrist. Oh, I know, it's the blunderbusses. They don't want you around me, do they? Think I'll petrify you the first chance I get? Should you be risking even much this contact with the dreaded summoner of monsters?
1: I'm not hoarding the books. There just isn't much on it. I checked. And I'm working on other research right now
0: anyway. Soon, if we make the breakthrough, I think we will, I will be able to clear your name to Ron and Harry. And then things can be like they were, I promise. That's why I'm spending so much time with Ron and Harry. So I can convince them you're innocent. I have this project. I can't tell you yet. It's why I've been so busy, but it's for you. She reached out and touched the tips of her fingertips to his, face contracting with a nostalgic ruefulness.
1: I miss you, Frankenstein. I really do. I wish things were different, and I'm trying to fix them. I have a plan, so please,
0: just wait. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Draco Malfoy and the Heir of Slytherin, part two of the Mirror of Isidaru series by Star Bridget.